Today's episode was recorded on June the 16th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, exploring the cosmos. Caffeine Rage. On today's episode, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played this week. We're going to be talking briefly, or maybe not, about the PC gaming show. The PlayStation 5 makes its first appearance. FDA approves a game marketed as a treatment for ADHD. We're going to briefly touch on the Steam Games Festival that debuted or launched, and we will have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following the respective topics. Hello. Hello. What's shaking, Bacon? Oh, no, you're kind of late on that one. That's a chicken yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's what you always say whenever uh, we start talking. So, no, not a chicken anymore. Too late. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm broken today. I already told you, but I fucked up my shoulder real bad. I'm probably, and when I say probably, definitely going to have to go to the doctor. Unless I wake up tomorrow and and a miracle has been performed on my shoulder. Now, let's be perfectly honest. You're going to sleep on it odd and fuck it up even more. Probably. Or the dog is going to, like, wedge up against me in the middle of the night. <laughs> she's she's going to be sad and lonely. Katie's gone for a couple of days, uh, business or work trip thing. Uh, and so the dog is, this is going to be the first, the first time that it's been more than just a few hours that she hasn't seen. The dog hasn't seen her mom. So okay. Now the question is, is it your dog or her dog? Oh, it's a hundred percent Katie's dog. Like, I mean, I love the dog and I think that the dog likes me too. It seems to be that way, but like, Without a doubt, that dog belongs to her. Um, my kid, we don't tell him any different because he's six. But my kid thinks that she's his dog mm-hmm. and and she's just not. <laughs> but it's okay. And I mean, that was the intent. You know, she picked out the dog um, and has spent the most time bonding with the dog and training the dog. And so, you know, they're they're the closest pair. But it'll be all right. We'll muddle through together. She's in the kitchen laying in in her crate asleep right now like she's sad so she went in there on her own so i'm hoping that she's chill for the entire time that we're recording like if she starts going crazy i'll have to step away for a minute to take care of her but i don't think it'll be an issue for us tonight you hope i hope um yeah i i i heard from you earlier that you were adding on to your little little family yeah i'm uh, getting another cat uh, an assistant supervisor. Uh, Going to be a four or five week old kitten. So, nice. you know, a, a minion for the cat, right? <laughs> right. Hopefully they uh, cancel each other out and burn off some energy together. And they just don't create more mayhem. I mean, there's a possibility, right? Yeah, they could multiply. Not in number but in mayhem i I was i was gonna say because she's fixed so uh, that's gonna be a tough one (laughs) so uh if you hear background noise next week that's why nice well and on the plus side we uh spent enough time that i think she'd stop trying to get in here whenever (laughs) before we started recording a little uh behind the scenes thing i closed the door to this room whenever i record 
And usually there's like a Paul that's under the door for, you know, like five minutes. Like, what's going on? Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. How dare you close off part of my domain? Pretty much. Uh, Speaking of domains. Indeed. We've got actually a decent amount of stuff to cover on the show this week. I mean, we'll see how long it actually takes, but might as well get started. Um, You've got three. I've got two. So you go first and I'll sandwich in between. Oh my. So, No Man's Sky came out on Game Pass, and I said eventually I would play it, but I wouldn't pay money for it, which is technically true. I'm paying for access to Game Pass. Well, actually, not yet. I'm on like two free months. Uh, That's kind of a neat thing. Microsoft reward points. I had enough to cash in for a month of Game Pass, and because I disabled uh, recurring payments whenever I went to the ultimate uh, because of a couple of deals uh, for like six months, I disabled my reoccurring payments because, yo, I didn't want to buy that when I don't have the console. It's just, it was cheaper that way for a while. Right. So whenever I put in the uh, code to activate for a month of game pass, it said, Oh, uh, if you turn on reoccurring uh, payments, uh, we'll give you a free month. It's like, cool. Then I disabled yeah. it immediately. So maybe uh, next time I, I have enough points that I think by the time two months go by, I'll have enough to cash in one more time. I had that stack for a while and I wound <laughs> up getting like three or four free months because every time I would activate a thing, it's like, hey, if you turn on recurring payments, we'll give you a free month. Yeah, see, they and- didn't offer that to me. And I... I'm not sure why, because I had uh, recurring payments turned off. It had just been, yeah, I didn't uh, get lucky on that. Who knows? Yeah, I might have just gotten happily caught up in a little glitch or something. But But anyway, No Man's Sky came to Game Pass last week. And I was a little snarky with them on their announcement saying, oh, you put a good game on now, huh? Right. Because they also put put Battletech on, yeah. You you enjoyed that. You enjoyed the sass. Let's be honest. I did. I always enjoy the sass. But anyway, uh, No Man's Sky. I, I, I'm, I've been delaying talking about this because it kind of sucks. <laughs> so you don't like it? Let's put it this way. It feels like a pretty version of Astroneer, only about 20 times more boring. Does I haven't looked into this. Does it include all of the content? stuff that they've added or is it just like a base version of the game i think it includes all the stuff they added but the thing is the tutorial section oh god I'm not, the tutorial sucks it has always sucked they put me on a fucking planet and asked me to get something that there was like uh, they told me okay now build your base uh, go get carbon only thing i could get carbon out of was these uh, uh the dick cactuses Ah, yes, the dick cactus. And there was hardly editing them around. So it's just, you know, I'm already bored. I'm not enjoying this. Oh, I did get to rename a couple planets to Dull and Boring. And my base is uh, at Sean Murray's Deceit. (laughs) Okay. And that was about all the fun I had. Not bitter at all, are you? Nope. Fair enough. It's just, I think I've played a lot better. Not prettier. I will give them that. They uh, they really polished the uh, visuals uh, to be able to swap out all the color palettes to make it you know, feel like there's 20 billion planets. But it's just 
I'm a mechanics guy. All right. I'm a gameplay guy. We know this. Mm-hmm. When you have a UI that sucks that much dick, you know I'm going to hate the game. There's so much uh, hold and press. There's so much, okay, you uh, need to get this very particular ailment and be able to go combine uh, all this in this very cumbersome way. It's just, no, no, I'll go play Astrodeer. Astrodeer is 20 times better than this piece of shit. But let me tell you how I really feel. Go for it. I, I mean, this has to be the updated version because it's in third person or starts yeah. in third person. And then do you, I'm assuming there's like vehicles beyond just the spaceship and. How far? No, I didn't get that far. There's a mech, which I haven't gotten yet. That was in the most recent update. Did you get to the giant space eyeball? Uh, No. Okay. No, I learned a couple words uh, uh, because I wandered a bit far uh, to try to you know, find some carbon. You, you would think carbon would be a lot more uh, you know, common, huh? Yeah, but no, uh, it's only from the dick cactus. Uh, gas bags, nah, they only have oxygen for some reason. It, it just There's a core of a good concept here, but it, woo, technical problems. Yay. Carry on. I think it's just... Okay. I sat and thought about this while we had our issues with Craig. I think it's an issue of scope. All right? Okay. Astroneer, at least your base, in order to get up and running, you have everything somewhat nearby. All right? For the tutorial, they asked me, okay, now walk a kilometer to go uh, mine this one mineral. Now walk a kilometer back. I walk a kilometer in this other direction and it just I realize it's to establish the scope of the game that ooh there's this giant universe but do you really need to go that far for fucking carbon do you really need to go that far for a uh, I'm trying to think of what other elements they had you mine in the tutorial it just feels like everything else with this game it was kind of haphazardly put together and really no thought put into it. And I'm sure th- there's a subset of uh, players out there that would absolutely ch- uh, yeah, uh, tear this game up. See Jared. Uh, hey, but yeah, but Astrodeer is far better. There's far better out there. And I just don't have the patience for it. I don't have a patience to go through the uh, interface. I don't have the patience to put on a planet that's the absolute worst for the tutorial and say okay now go uh, go get this one really rare element that you need whenever it was all over the fucking place on the planet that you just forced me to leave yeah just, i'm only being quiet because i'm giving you your space to talk not because yeah, this uh, is like awkward or whatever like i have gone on ad nauseum in multiple episodes about my thoughts on it so mm-hmm. uh, i know you, you like it a lot more than me yeah, and I, I mean that's okay. I, I'm I'm going to say something that some people would take as being dismissive, and I'm not being dismissive. But I don't. Yeah, it's I don't not think my game. This, yeah, I was gonna say I don't think this is a game for you because yeah, it but the thing is, I, at the core or at the heart of like what you enjoy about games, because this gameplay loop is pretty abysmal unless you really like that slow, monotonous grind and build up and the exploration of it. Yeah, and but, all that yeah, but here's like, the, yeah, but here's the counterpoint. I enjoyed Astroneer. Uh Whenever I have the patience for it, I've enjoyed what I played of Factorio. I just fucking hate this. 
Well, Astroneer and Factorio are two drastically different games for No Man's Sky. It's the scope. There are certainly some similarities, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, which was what I was getting at. Yeah. uh, Was the scope feels too big from the very start. That they're trying to show off just how big the universe is. And it's the Skyrim problem of... Yes, a very, very large world, but it's not very detailed. It's not, it's very shallow. The, you know, uh, the fact that it's procedurally generated or originally procedurally generated, I, I guess I should say, really shows, you know, there's, it feels like a computer algorithm, you know? Yeah. So are you, are you kind of done on it already? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. It's just, okay, I absolutely like, hate oh. it. I played a couple hours of it and it's just, the tutorial absolutely stinks. Uh, uh, they try to show off the uh, just how big the world is, but only draw attention to how shallow it is. Uh, I mean, just the fact that everything running around isn't made of carbon, really? How? All right? Well, yes. I, I, I will say that there's the, the idea that there could be silicon-based life and other things, but, you know... Yeah, but the yeah, fact I that what you're saying. Yeah, but the fact that everything I killed uh, would just give me oxygen somehow, right? Yeah, they don't tell you this in the tutorial anywhere, but there's a process with like a tool you get really early on, where that you can break, like trans, basically transform those elements back and forth. So yeah, you know, that would be good to highlight pretty early, right? Yeah, you, if you have a shitload of oxygen but no carbon, it's it's one of the I forget what it's called because it's been like probably 10 months since I played No Man's Sky. But it's it's one of the like resource refiners that you get and you can turn oxygen back into carbon. Like you can do that v- back and forth that essentially no material loss. So, if it's like I think it's like 3 carbon to make one oxygen and then you get 3 carbon back out of one oxygen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a lot uh, better to have, huh? Yeah, but they don't highlight that cuz the tutorial is abysmal. Like, 100% I agree with you on that one. The tutorial sucks. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I agree with you. It's the scope of the game. It's like, how do you create a tutorial that's not 10 hours long to cover so many different mechanics and all the shit that's in it? And I, just like a quick peek behind the curtain, like a couple of times, dear listeners, I've mentioned pauses. Obviously, those get edited out. Because mm-hmm. there was a, a, like a, probably like somewhere between five and 10 seconds of silence a couple of times there. Because like yeah, I said, I'm just you space to talk and let you process. Yeah. yeah, it's just I really tried. I really did. It just there there was just too much wrong gameplay wise for me, which may uh, lead to some of my problems with the game club, which we'll get to in oh a two weeks. weeks. Yeah, sweet. Okay. Well, um, my first game that I played that I'm going to talk about, because I got a couple that I'm not ready to talk about yet. Um, but anyways, uh, is uh, Keep Talking Nobody Explodes. Um, I played this for date night with Katie the other night. And we it was her idea, too, which was, like, mind-blowing to me. Because Katie's not yeah, a big gamer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she enjoys a, the occasional... Uh, you know, Mario Kart and Mario Party and, you know, sort of more air quotes, like casual games. Um, But uh, she had heard about this from one of her friends and she was like, let's play it. Like she just assumed that I had it. 
which she assumed correctly i did but i and i had never played it before and she wanted to do the bomb defusal and so oh she did boy. bomb defusal and i read through the manual we we had a few mishaps um it took us a little bit to get our communication down but we got up to several i think it was like seven modules before we just couldn't beat it so what it is for anybody who doesn't know is that this is kind of um uh like an interesting Asym- sort of well, ace- well, i was gonna say asymmetric uh cooperative game right yeah and so one person is the bomb defusal and that's the person that's actually playing the the video game and then the other person or people like you could do this with a group um, have the manual, the bomb defusal manual, which is just a PDF. that has got a bunch of different uh, ciphers in it uh, to solve essentially the puzzles that let you defuse the bomb. So some of those, for example, are like the, you know, cl- the classic, like, you know, which wire do I cut to disarm the bomb? And it's like, well, d- how many wires does the bomb have? Is it, you know, three, six, five, whatever. Then what color are they? What order are they in? And you're having to call these out back and forth to each other. Like, she would be like, okay, it's got the wire module. It's got six wires. Okay, read the colors. And so she'd read the colors off. And then if I, you know, got it on the first try and it was an easy one, be like, all right, you cut the fourth wire. But if like she stumbled or if I'm like looking for something and I miss it, I'm like, shit, I didn't, you're going to have to read those off to me again. And the, the whole time there's a timer ticking down on the bomb. And it was five minutes every time we played. I don't know if it's always five minutes or if that's something you can customize. Uh, it depends Katie on the was... level. Okay. So Katie, I mean, Katie was the one who was actually, you know, playing the game. So I was just sitting here and I had two copies of the manual open on one of my other computers in my office, one on each monitor. So I could like scroll back and forth between sections faster. Um, and so, you know, we would just call them out back and forth. If you do the right thing, then the the module light turns green on the bomb and you've like solved that part of the diffusing puzzle. And if you get it wrong, it beeps angrily at you and you get a strike. And if you get too many strikes, the bomb blows up no matter what the timer's on. Yeah. And, and, sometimes, so and on some later, later levels, it's one strike and you're out. Yeah. So some of them are pretty easy like that. The classic wires, like even if it's six wires and there's weird color patterns or whatever, we we could get that one usually within one one try, um, like not even like a strike, just like one try. Like she reads it out, I get it, I tell her to cut which wire, we move on. There's other puzzles with like a cipher where you have to figure out what the symbols are that match up correctly, and then put in the correct sequence. There's a couple of number puzzles where that you have to figure out a cipher and then give the keyword to uh, disarm it. There are uh, toggle switches that you have to get in the right order. There's a Simon Says type puzzle that also has a cipher to it, and it changes if you fuck up, and then you have to figure out what the cipher is a second time, and then try again. Um, there's like this weird light maze that we never solved. We never could figure out how to communicate properly, how to deal with the 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 light maze, and that got us every time. Um there's some stuff that has to do with like how many batteries does the bomb have? What's the serial number on the bomb to figure out certain things for ciphers? Um, <laughs> Isn't there one, what type of ports are on the bomb as well? Yes. We did not get any of those. And thank God, because Katie doesn't know any of those. We would have been fucked, <laughs> but um, there, that's in the manual uh, as a reference for like what these ports are. Um, Cause, Oh, and there's like several appendices for stuff like that. Um, 
And then, there, I mean, there were several things that we didn't even get, like um, a couple of additional puzzles. Like there's one that has to do with radio frequencies that we didn't get. Um, there was one that was, you had to solve a number sequence that we didn't get. Um, there was one that had to do with what it, what it called complex wiring, which apparently was like jumbled up wires or wires that have like stripes on them or something mm-hmm. that adds to the complication of the cutting the wires puzzle. Um, there's buttons um, when and like toggle switches that you have to do in the correct order or with a button. It's like some buttons you might have to press and hold and wait for a secondary action. Some of them you might just have to like press and count down a certain amount of time before you release. Like some of them are immediate and you know, you just solve the modules and when you complete all of the modules on the bomb, you diffuse it. And we started with three and we got to where we could solve three every time and it was no challenge. And so then we went up to four and then five and then six and then we never could get past six modules. And that was when we started getting like the light puzzle um, and a couple of the more difficult, like Simon says type sequences. Simon says, da. Yeah. Simon says blow up. And so um, that in it in and of itself is really well designed. And I'm sure that if you did this enough with the same person, you would get into a rhythm and like, it wouldn't be challenging anymore, but a huge part of it is working out your communication. And every time we found a new puzzle, it's was, we had to figure out how to talk about it in a way that made sense to both of us. Um, and it like, this is the type of thing that if you don't have a good relationship with the person that you're trying to do it with, you could have a huge fight. Like I could see uh, sort of, uh, like how we have with, uh, uh we were here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's exactly like that, trying to figure out puzzles. But um, uh, anyways, so, I mean, that, that part of it is, is great. Um, we, had a, we had a blast. Um, we we worked, did it for about an hour. Um, we're going to play some more. I don't know if we're going to conquer, like, the maximum difficulty level. There's also a challenge mode, which we didn't even t- try and touch. Um, and I'll, I'll probably check it out from the bomb side as well. But looking at it, it's fairly simple. You manipulate it in 3D space, just using the ma- the mouse to click and drag around. And then it looks like you cl- just click on a module and it kind of zooms in. And then you interact with that one specifically. And I mean, from that point, it's pretty straightforward game mechanics, just clicking and interacting with things. So it didn't look like there was anything that involved typing. But it's nice to like, it, it was just a lot of fun. And like the tension ratchets up because the music gets intense and the beeping gets louder on the clock. And it's like, those moments where it's like 30 seconds, come on, figure this out. It's like, you got to slow down. I know that there's only 30 seconds left, but I can't understand what you're saying when you're talking so fast about making sense. Or it's like, you think you've got it and you, <laughs> you don't, you've misunderstood something. It's like, it's this one. And they click on it. The bomb blows up. And there were, there were a couple of times when like she or both of us would jump. Cause it's like, Oh fuck. We screwed up. We died. Well, not we, more her. Yeah. I would, I would just go with, we died, you know, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, you can get, I, I, I know you can get it on mobile devices. You get it on PC. I don't know if you can get it on consoles or not, but I mean, it's super low. You don't really need a lot of, of, uh, computing horsepower behind it. Um, it's a, a pretty small install. And like I said, there, there's a, it's just a link to their website that you can download the PDF from. Um, apparently there's different versions of the PDF. 
you have to type in like a code to let it know what version that you have. So I guess if you've got an older version, it'll load different stuff up. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent clear on that one. I've only got the one PDF, but it looks like there are some different versions of it, but whether or not that's true, it's, it's a blast. If it ever shows up in like a bundle or on sale and you're looking for like a good party game to have or to hang out with your friends and play, uh, then yeah, you should totally, totally pick it up. Your turn. Okay. So from, uh, bombs to disc golf. So this popped up on the, uh, app store for me recently, disc golf rival. And it has, it's a fun game, but it has pretty much the same problem I have with literally any sports game on mobile. And I believe I've talked about the, or, or if not this same company, very similar, uh, golf game before it feels pretty much like every golf game I've played on mobile for or the business aspect where it has the bullshit crates, uh, it has timers, uh, usually between, uh, two hours to eight hours, depending on the level of crate that you got to unlock. Uh, and it has the card system where, uh, like clash Royale, where, uh, you get multiple copies of the same card to unlock the better version of X. Okay. okay. So pretty much all the problems of it's, uh, of its platform but it's also different in gameplay enough and it's fun so disc golf if you've never heard of it it's essentially golf only with frisbees all right and at least in the video game version of it i actually haven't played the real version or really looked into the real version much at all because i I think disc golf exactly what you think it is yeah what you just described yeah there's Different discs, depending on the situation you're in. Uh, more long-distance ones and that sort of thing. Yep. Uh, this one also has ones that you're supposed to use from the bunker and from the rough. Is is that true in real-life disc golf as well? Possibly. Um, the disc golf that I've played was just with friends, and so we would just use one, uh, one you know, Frisbee and, mm-hmm. you know, not change out. Yeah, so uh, that could be just a gameplay mechanic or uh, whatever, but uh, instead of knocking into a hole, you have a target with chains on it to knock it into a essentially a bird cage at the end, or a uh, or a raised cage, I should say. Uh, and the same rules of golf apply. The person that has played one on one this version, at least head to head on one hole, and the person that sinks their disc. Uh, on the fewest strokes or throws in this case, uh, wins the hole and the match. And it's actually really fun. And because it's a disc instead of a ball, it could have a little bit of unpredictability about it as well, because uh, the terrain could affect it a lot more. I've had uh, it where it looks like I would uh, screw up my shot, but I, because there was a little bit of a hill, it caused the disc to kind of... Uh, uh, swirl back around on itself and have a uh, spiral uh, that benefited me. And there's been the opposite, of course, as well. Uh, I've seen some rather amazing shots. I've had some uh, rather fun ones as well. Now, mm-hmm. the problem is, of course, because of the platform and pr- it has pretty much all the trappings of it, 
later on, I fear that it's going to be like literally any golf game I ever played on mobile, where if you're not sinking a bunch of money into it, you know, you're not going to be competitive because the discs get fucking expensive to upgrade. I mean, very expensive to upgrade. So it's pretty much like, like I said, any golf game where it has different leagues that you could earn trophies in up to a certain amount. And whenever you're playing a game, you're essentially betting the entry fee against another player. And I'm pretty confident it's actually other players on this one. And unlike some of the golf games, I've been a little bit unsure about just because of some of the uh, gameplay I've seen, which is a nice change of pace where, and I've actually had a player leave early. So yeah. Right. Right. So that is a little bit of a worry to me, which means I'll probably end up dropping it before a ton of time into it. Cause I'm not going to sink a bunch of money into this. Honestly, probably no money into this to be perfectly honest, but it was a nice change of pace, and uh, the uh, courses are pretty well designed. Uh, there's a couple uh, uh, one-time events that show up. That is, uh, there's a an event going on right now where you get one free throw to unlock or to get a high-level chest, and if you uh, in sub subsequent uh, attempts at it, uh, cost a dollar a throw. It's just what the fuck, right? That's uh, a lot. Yeah. And it's definitely not an easy uh, thing to hit either. Um, so there's a lot of kind of, well, like I said, it's a fun game that feels like it's trapped on its, on the platform it's on. And I actually started looking around to see if I could find any disc golf games that were actually decent on PC. And short of one that was really like, at the turn of the century <laughs> or ones that's in early access that uh, look promising, but it's early access. Good luck, right? Yeah. It's just, see. it's just so much of a niche sport, I guess. Looks like there's a disc golf VR game that looks like garbage. Yeah. That's why I found that was one that I found several games with disc in the title that are not disc golf. I mean, I could probably look around on mobile a little bit around as well. Ultimate Disc Golf, which looks real bad. Perfect round disc golf. This looks old. Yeah. You see my problem, though, huh? Yeah. I mean, I was not very good at disc golf when I played. I'm not. Yeah. You know, I can throw a frisbee back and forth, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. And there are people who can do, like, some crazy, amazing, like, trick shots. and. Yeah, and this has it where you could uh, apply, draw, and fade and be able to uh, bounce your uh, disc around uh, with, uh, of course, the proper upgrades. It also, because of how the uh, throws uh, work, it requires a bit more st- uh, or a bit different strategy than just a golf game, which I really enjoyed because outside, I think of the putter disc, all of them have some sort of curve to them. Mm-hmm. With the longer flying disc, the driver, the uh, long range, uh, essentially your woods having a rather extreme amount of curve and bounce at the end of the uh, throw. So it requires a, a bit more strategy, which some players I ran into, obviously they played golf games, but never uh, a game that required you to think ahead about this much bouncing and chance, which, you know, was fun to watch. There was one I 
uh, saw that uh, he obviously, uh, he, I, I should say one guy that I played that obviously knew how to uh, play a golf game, uh, but because the discs uh, before their upgrade don't show a lot of the guideline, he had a couple bounces right into the bunker where a, where on a standard golf game that would have never happened. It's just, it just feels trapped on mobile, which is a little disappointing because it is a fun game overall. That's the thing. I would love to see a, a proper single player mode. And it does look like there are some, are, according to this, there are some people that uh, you sometimes end up against replays instead of actual people, even though I have had it where they'll drop out as well. So it's obvious. Uh, well, let's put it this way. They've also reacted to whenever I made a, a good or a bad shot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously real time. But that does make sense that some of them are replays as well, which could be. Uh, some of the more interesting shots I've seen. Right. Like they save like the crazy good ones or something like that. To yeah. Put it to show off. Or some of the uh, really bad ones. Yeah. Like I had one guy that uh, clipped a, a tree and then tried to, uh, to do a recovery and threw it into a different tree on the other side of the fairway. So that does make sense if they're doing replays as well as uh, real-time players. But there's also, you know, 13,000 reviews, so there's a fair amount of people that's played it, at least. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. It's just a shame that it's uh, tied behind so many time gates and paywalls and everything. I doubt I'll uh, play it for much longer. That's sad, but I understand. Like, you know, being locked into that weird mobile space gets old. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should just look uh, at uh, a decent golf game. You know, pick up the, the golf club when it goes on sale this summer. And just, uh, you know, try to flatten the ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, my other game? Yeah. So, I got a game called Despotism 3K. Um, which is like a weird comedy uh post-apocalyptic game where you play as the evil AI overlord who is exploiting the uh, remnants of humanity for your own uh, ends. Um, and this game is broken up into two parts, two campaigns. Um, and I, I, I know I mentioned this to you last week. I can't remember if I said it on the show or not, that I had played a game that I beat... And then it like opened itself up and was. Yeah, like I think you mentioned thing. it to me, but uh, I don't think he uh, did it on the show. I could right. be wrong though. Yeah, so that so that's this. Um, the sort of core gameplay loop is that you need to exploit these humans in order to continue to keep yourself powered. There's been like a nuclear war, and you're trying to keep yourself powered and deal with this weird aspect of your programming that was left by your creator that wants you to spread butter, which I'm pretty sure is a Rick and Morty joke. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that is as well. Um, and so you're, you're trying to find the old house where your creator lived, the scientist lady who, who developed your AI programming in order to find out how to remove this because you hate it. Like you hate that part of your function and you have various things there's four different things there's like a just a sort of a living chamber there's a 
um, giant mouse wheel. Um, there's a sex chamber that looks like a penis. <laughs> there's like a food production room. And then there's like a thing that looks like a blender, which is a bioreactor. And you have to manage your human's health and uh, continually produce enough power. That power limit grows over time. And I suppose you could say that there is a bit of a roguelite element to this because every playthrough that you do, um, you get a little farther and learn some new things and then stuff changes. And in some ways it gets a little easier for you going forward um, as you gain knowledge and can apply uh, changes to your game going forward um, as you unlike like different little things. But you have to keep your humans alive. You have to manage their stamina. And if their stamina runs out, they just die. Um, but you can have too many humans because you have to feed them. So it's all about managing this population and making sure they give you enough power. So you stick enough humans in the fuck chamber so that they make enough new humans that you can continually feed them into either the bioreactor or run them to death on the hamster wheel, the human hamster wheel, to generate power for you. Um, and then you need a, enough humans in the little food production room in order to keep your humans fed that you're actively using. Um, and you just manage this process as random events pop up and happen. There's like a there's a 20 second timer that that ticks down for like a day. And so every time a day passes, you have to have enough power, uh, whatever the power requirement is. Um, like, you know, if it's a thousand power, for example, you have to have at least that much power and enough food to feed all of your people. And there's consequences, uh, consequences if you don't. So if you don't have enough power, unless you have like a couple of special items that can let you keep going, uh, you just lose. And then if you don't have enough food, everyone starves that you can't feed. And it's just sort of random. So if you have 20 people and if you only have enough food to feed 10, then 10 of your people die. And it's just kind of randomly chosen where they die from. Um, so you could get lucky and most of them could die in the, just the storage chamber. You could get very unlucky and the humans that are in the hamster wheel die or in the fuck chamber die. And then you can't make new humans again. So it's, um, Ooh, it's pretty cheap on mobile actually. Is it? How much does it cost on mobile? Three forty nine. It's, uh, eight bucks on PC. I didn't even know it was on mobile. I was, uh, looking to see if it was HIO because, you know, we may have gotten a few games there. Yeah. It's actually on Switch as well. I did see it on Switch, yeah. When I was, uh, spoiler alert, I have a Switch. I'm not talking about it this week because I just got it, but I did see it on, on there when I was perusing the eShop. But anyways, so you have to manage all of this. There's At the end of every day, there's a chance for a random event. Um, and th- those can be events that only have negative outcomes only have positive outcomes or could go either way and you you learn what to do for them and some of them are totally random some of them are like little puzzles that you have to try and solve some of them are things that are sort of binary choices so for example you meet uh doc ock from spider-man like he's not (laughs) called that but that's what it is and you can choose to have him replace your little grabber claws with his and his grabber claws are faster but they have a chance to kill humans when they pick them up and move them around. Yeah, yeah, pretty much it's worth it. Um, You can have other things like you can have like a dog that shows up 
you can have people that die and like get ground up inside your machinery and shut it down. And so like the food production, like someone could die and get jammed inside the food production mechanism and that gets stopped until it's fixed or can cause like um, a, a permanent fucking permanent negative uh, to it. You can get permanent bonuses or deficits to the hamster wheel and to the, uh, the bioreactor. Sometimes like a killer will show up and like randomly murder your people every so often. And like you get a little indicator of who it is. Like you can figure out who it is and then you have to like try and get them into the bioreactor and kill them. So they stop killing your people or just let them like die. You know, don't put cycle them back through where they can rest. Just let them die of exhaustion. Um, And that's, that's a fun little gameplay loop on its own. Like I played it for probably two hours before I actually beat the first campaign mode or the first you know, thing. Um, and then it un- unlocks the second one, which drastically changes the game. Um, it adds like a little Terminator spin on it, and there's a resistance, and the, they get like, they are the ones who develop and get the time machine. And so they re- will reset you back to day one as they try and figure out how to beat you. And you can still lose. Like the, the core mechanic is there, but it changes up how quickly it ramps up, how much power you need. Um, and so you can still lose if you run out of power, but um, it can reset you back to day one and you've got like a little adventure that you have to go on and there's a, a, a map screen that opens up and you have to send your humans out on expeditions to do things for you because you can't leave the facility. There's new random events that you find and, and new little random things that you can add to your facility, but it, it completely changes the way that you're trying to manage it because in the first one, you're just trying to make sure that you have enough power to survive. I think it's 28 days, and then you find the home of the person who created you, and you get like the little ending scene where it talks about your creation and how that um, she knew that the end of the world was coming, and so she programmed you in this way to continue to survive. And in doing this, you fulfilled your ultimate purpose and like uploaded her consciousness, and now she can live forever and like. A whole bunch of stuff like it, it was actually pretty neat um and then like you get reset and the campaign two starts and give this map to go and explore um but you have to have a lot more humans in order to complete the expeditions so mm-hmm. before i'm just like feed everyone like put those guys in in like the fuck chamber make as many humans as possible and feed them into the bioreactor for extra power <clears throat> and it keeps my population down so i don't need as much food and if there's like a weird event that happens and something gets like destroyed or taken out you know it's easier to manage with less people but now you have to have this pretty big population to send them out to complete these expeditions for you and you can risk it by sending fewer people out but if you don't have enough to like guarantee that they will complete the task they can fail it and then it takes longer because you have to try again and people can still die and there's negative effects. And so, you know, you have to manage your population size a lot more. You can't just, you also can't run like a minimum, like tight ship because if you're like, yeah, I'll send 50 people out and there's not 50 people sitting and just like the waiting chamber, essentially it will pull people off of your other stuff. And so, you know, you might lose out your treadmill crew or lose some (laughs) of the people in like the fuck room or whatever so it adds a new strategic element to it and then additional replayability and and i haven't beaten it yet i keep losing i keep messing up the human or the population management so 
it's a fun game. Um, there's a lot of replayability there in terms of like the events. There are there are certainly some common ones that I think might just be triggers that are based on like a certain you know day whatever happens. This thing is triggered. How do you deal with it? But I was still like it took me six or seven tries before I beat the first uh, chapter or campaign or whatever, and I saw new stuff every time. You know, I'm sure eventually that will run out, but there's also a lot of replayability for the different things that you can get that apply changes to the game. Like you've got a basic easy mode and a hard mode. Um, you've got things that alter uh, how many humans um, are produced by sex or um, how efficient certain things are, like the bioreactor or remove this element from the game. Like you can only have so many grabber arms to manage your humans or um, more random encounters or just, just all kinds of stuff that, that changes up the gameplay loop. So surprisingly like good game. Um, I kind of got it on a whim. I, it was on sale or I got it as part of a bundle or something like it's only eight bucks on PC, but I did not pay $8 for it. I might have gotten it as like a, a key on key mailer, maybe as well. I don't remember, honestly, but I'm just like, this looks like a weird game and it's got a room that's shaped like a penis that people have sex in. Like, yeah. And then it was an it's actually a good game. So two thumbs up. Recommend Despotism 3K if if this seems like the type of game that is up your alley. Okay, which brings me around to Mashinki, my final game. And a revisit from, what, a year, year and a half ago? Yeah, I remember you played it's it. Quite, it's been quite a while. So last month, I'm just double-checking, yeah. Uh, just under a month ago, they had an update for the sixth era. Uh, they're at six of seven now, so they're actually coming up on the end of at least adding uh, new eras and content. Not sure... If, what their roadmap is I actually didn't check that. I should probably go check that. Uh, but for those who've never heard of Machine Key, it is a essentially a board game where you're managing a transport company, mostly railroads, but now also cars. So they've added a transportation system for vehicles, both road and railroad now, which adds a lot more options for uh, your overall uh, empire. So it is a completely single player. There's no other, uh, there's no opponents. It's just you, uh, the missions that are generated, the story missions, which is just through the ages, at least for the time being, and this randomly generated map, which according to this, there are going to be airplanes, I'm not sure if they're in the game right now. I didn't get that far. I'm only on the third of six eras active. Mm -hmm. I'm just double checking. Uh, there's going to be a driver mode uh, for where you actually control the uh, trains. With uh, I, I found the roadmap, so I'll uh, get into that in a little bit. Uh, so the reason why I call it a board game is that it functions on tokens, and uh, the game is set very rigidly in a grid system which is both a positive and negative. So it's very easy to lay out your uh, empire and figure out how you want to do things. 
but it's also very limiting in that railroads could only curve so quickly and they require a pretty long sweeping turn. And with the introduction of uh, vehicle, or I should say cars, I mean, trucks, that sort of thing, trucks, buses, uh, transport vans, that sort of thing, they could only intersect at completely right angles. All right. Which I did not realize was in the game at the first. So my opening area is just a complete mess because I had a, uh, a railroad that kind of gently swept a little bit too much and cut off uh, some industry. And it's all supply chains. So in order to generate money in the beginning of the game, you're transporting passengers from one point to another. But it's sort of board game rules. So it's a passenger doesn't have a set location that they want to travel to. It's They just want to go from one uh, station to the next, and you get money. And as a station gets more traffic but to and from it, the town will eventually start to grow if it's a small town into a medium-sized town and then essentially a city, which uh, each of the towns, uh, uh, each of the buildings in the town, uh, uh, each tick of time, uh, every few seconds, will add one token to that station. So a town that has three buildings that are within range of the station will add three passengers a fourth building may pop up in, in time to add a fourth passenger every second, that sort of thing. And then each town could also have additional things in it, like shops uh, starting in the third era, which require uh, consumer goods to be transported to them for extra money. There may be a post office that requires you to transport mail to another uh, town that has a post office. But the introduction of cars makes it so that you can uh, transport things and use the uh, use the railroad as mass transit, and then the roads as your final mile, or to tie together industry that's kind of randomly generated close to one another, like a sawmill next to a tool shop, next to a coal mine, to start generating tokens without running expensive rail. And the railroads are a bit cumbersome still. The trains are a bit smarter than the last time I played, but they can still get themselves into trouble. Uh, it requires uh, a bit of foreknowledge on how this, uh, the the game runs its signals. So it's just like real life, all the tra train tracks. If you're running more than one train on a track, you need multiple uh, ways for a train to get uh, from point A to point B and proper signaling. Otherwise, the trains are going to run into each other and explode. Yeah, like you do. <laughs> right, of course. And the game does not offer really much in the way of documentation yet on how the signals work. And there were a couple times that I just was completely baffled why this entire section of my uh, railroad network would just go full on red. Yeah, no traffic allowed until I realized that this one signal at the very end where the sawmill was that I, trans that I was transporting logs to had the wrong type of signal, and it was causing a cascade of errors. <laughs> right. That sounds very Factorio train management. Or honestly, like Transport Fever, although that doesn't happen as much in Transport Fever. Cause well, it could also be the fact that it's an early access game still. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is that I was also... 
it requires a little bit of reading on how on some of the gods at least at the time of recording to figure out certain uh, things like uh there's not a direct interaction between the vehicle or the cars and the trains without specific orders given because the the AI is smart enough for the vehicles to try to get a point A to point B. A good example of this is uh, setting up a, a road network. If you have a road network set up with stations in the proper locations where you have a forest a sawmill, and a tool shop, all on the same network. If you buy the proper cars, they'll automatically go, uh, the uh, logging trucks will go to the forest and take it to the uh, to the sawmill. The sawmill will start generating uh, planks of wood, which then another truck will, uh, another type of truck uh, will load up and take to the tool shop uh, to generate tokens, which is used for upgrades. There's a bunch of different tokens, and as you progress through the eras, more unlock. So, like the third era, you start seeing factories pop up, you start seeing oil rigs uh, pop up, and you start seeing refineries pop up, which is where the vehicles really come into play, is that it allows you to look on the map and say, once again, okay, I don't have to lay a bunch of expensive rail, I could just uh, put a bunch of uh, cars in this one location, with an inexpensive car depot and let them uh, generate a few tokens to allow me to upgrade my engines to be uh, diesel engines to start producing more money this way. And that's not even getting into the extension system that I'm not sure if it was there last time I played and I just ignored, but all the, oh, I shouldn't say all, but a good chunk of the resource generating buildings have extensions that you get add on where uh, a good example is the sawmill will now take coal as well as just raw wood, but will generate extra lumber for it and uh, generate it faster. Uh, you could uh, invest a little bit of money into it to generate more lumber for the same amount of wood. And it becomes an upgrading game as well uh, on top of upgrading your stations, upgrading uh, your trains improving uh, with new trains, new engines, new cars. There's not a research system in it just yet. The way you get that is just progress through the arrows. And they have actually a fair amount of stuff on the roadmap. There's right now they're out of six of seven arrows. There's early steam, steam, early diesel, diesel, early electric, and electric ages in the game. And the seventh age they're planning, uh, which they say need proper design first uh, and will be implemented in early access is the monorail maglift eras. Uh, there's going to be more visualization on the cargo that they have uh, turning on and off uh, industry rules for uh, game uh, for uh, game setup. There's different challenge modes that you can implement as well such as one I kind of liked was no magic turnaround. In the base game, uh, if a train gets to a station and it needs to turn around, it'll just, you know, basically Flintstones uh, uh, pick it up and turn the entire train around and move on. But there's a uh, challenge mode where you can make it so that a train can never turn around like that. They'll try to turn around uh, on the track itself, 
which leads to a little bit more spaghettification, right? Yeah, which I I like that actually. So the transport fevers do the magic turnaround too, and you can create a, an actual station type that's designed for that. Um, like it doesn't show like the turntable, uh, but the idea is that it it has one. Um, but I I honestly don't like that. I like to do uh, through stations. And then if you want to come back the same line, you have to make a circle and then come back around. Yeah, uh, it it does get a little cumbersome, but you could also set it up with the orders. Uh, Essentially, uh, it's a set uh, or or set uh, order of uh, rules for the train or vehicle to follow. And it could be simple, like go from point A to point B, but then you could set waypoints to try to make it a little bit more like a, a more order than what the game would uh, do. The trains still do get into trouble. I did find the vehicles to be a lot easier to manage. They'll just uh, kind of do their own thing, and they don't uh, bunch up as much. They're able to uh, handle their, themselves a lot easier. Mm-hmm. They plan on doing multiplayer. That's interesting, but they still are, it looks like it's a far away off. I'm looking at the road map, like I said. Uh they want to do boat infrastructure, but it's uh, on the backlog. But the airports are definitely going to be in the early access, but not in yet. I mean, it's turning out to be a pretty good game overall. There's a, a few different uh, industries that they still want to add in with some visualization of cargo and be able to give individual commands for... Uh, different tra- uh, train cars instead of uh, an entire train. Uh, an example of this is that, uh, let's say you want to have a multi-purpose train that carries several uh, bunches of cargo. Uh, that's uh, feeding. Uh, it could only feed a central depot instead of feeding like trees to uh, one station and then. Uh, yeah, like mail to a station to be transported that final mile by a truck. It has to be all or nothing for now, which works for now, but looks like it's something that they're working on. I mean, I'm really impressed with it. It's a little cumbersome. Like I said, there's times that the uh, game wants to delete things that you don't intend it to, especially whenever you're trying to delete track or road. Uh, so a little bit of patience is required, but it's... You know, done really well i just wish that there was a proper ai but you know i think with the complexity of the game it probably wouldn't work all that well it'd be uh, like uh, an ai trying to do something like factorio where mm-hmm. uh, yep just in the end dozens of different uh, uh supply chains which can also feed into one another like one example is uh i was uh Running at the sawmill, like I said, I had the cascade error with all the uh, tra- uh, the all the signals because of one uh, uh, signal was wrong at one end. Basically, it was one, the wrong type of signal. Well, I was using that to get lumber uh, or lumber tokens and also a little bit of money uh, from it. Well, nearby, I upgraded a industry that also needed lumber so instead of running a new set of track i just started using road to uh, leach a little bit of lumber off but then that ended up being oh, i'm leaching too much lumber now i need to run the road a little bit further north to get to the forest to be able to feed it more wood 
And yeah, then next thing I knew, a couple hours went by. Nice. Yeah, Mashinki is on the curated portion of my wish list. Um, and I check in on every on it every once in a while. But listening to you talk about it, it's gonna it's gonna get bumped up. And probably, unless it doesn't go on sale at all, um, pretty much any sale price, I I'll pick it up in the summer sale. Yeah, I'm actually not sure if it. Hang on, uh, I'm, I'm seeing if it go, goes on sale. Actually, Amy sent me this uh, ages ago. Uh, Mashinki. Uh, it's like a historic low. It looks like it hasn't gone on sale according to this. Hmm. I wonder if it's one of those games that's like, uh, you know, well, we're in early access. We're not going to go on sale because Factorio has done that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fine. I might still get it anyways, even if it doesn't go on sale. Um, it's way up my alley. So, but I mean, if it does go on sale, I'm almost certainly going to get it unless you and I talk about stuff for game club or whatever. And are like, yeah, let's spend, I don't know, a hundred dollars on games or something. <clears throat> uh, wait, 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 correction. I'm just double checking something. It looks like it has gone on sale. Sorry. I must misread that. Okay. I think it, I think it was a sale or a site error though, or I think it's one of those where may have uh, been increasing in price as it uh, continues in early in development. I see. Well, that's okay. Um, I would say it's probably worth it based on what you're describing and my interests. So I'm not worried about that. And it does look like it. They increased in price. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um, so does that do it then? Yeah, I think so. Sweet. Now I was just double checking. Uh, it looks like they are planning the full release this year somehow. Okay. Uh, with with uh, the game will be updated on a monthly basis, including new content, features, and challenges. Well, then I might wait for full release. I don't know. I'll think about it. Uh, the early access version is cheaper than the final version. So. Well, then I might buy it. <laughs> so it looks like I don't know. Updating the price. I'll think about it. Um. So our first news topic of the night which I know you've just done a lot of talking, but I don't know how much I can contribute to this. The uh, the PC gaming show happened, and you uh, have some thoughts. Uh, kill it with fire. So the PC gaming show. This is like the one thing that's usually where we can agree to look forward to at E3. But with no E3 this year, you know, it's kind of spread out over the course of like two or three months. And it happened this past week, uh, a couple of days before recording uh, on the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, really no warning, at least that I saw that was happening. Uh, maybe it's just, I missed it. Uh, yeah. That website that we talked about, what a month ago, no updates whatsoever. Yeah. I also didn't get the calendar reminder or update for it, despite signing up for that. So yeah, I don't know if it's what? broken or, or what, but I missed it. And you told me about it today and I just didn't get a chance with work. And then yeah, afterwards, I had to do some stuff, like, fuck up my shoulder, so. Yeah. So, I, I don't know what PC Gamer has on day nine, but holy shit. So, someone needs to send him help right away. So, okay, okay, well, let me go back. The PC Gaming Show, it's uh, the show put out by PC Gamer, usually during E3, highlighting games coming to PC, uh, and this year they went virtual because, yeah, the COVID's right. 
Right. And they decided to highlight that fact over and fucking over again. So they've had kind of a talk show-esque uh, feel about it for the last, what, three, four years, ever since they've really established what this show is like, right? Yeah. This year they decided, uh, instead of inviting guests on, they just hotjacked the stream. I mean, they do occasionally have an interview, but it's more often than not just, you know, yeah, they just break into the stream and, uh, you know, say their piece and then leave. And it's just cringy as fuck. I mean, it's cringier than Jared. <laughs> well, that's saying something. Yeah, just, oh. I think it's just not helped by the fact that Daydon, he's obviously there for the paycheck. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. People, you know, actors are there for the paycheck. They're not there just because they love the craft. But he was finding it in so hard that I'm surprised he wasn't using a dial-up modem. hi So Daydon just had the personality and uh, really the depth of character of uh, Vanilla Skyrim, right? <laughs> and you would have laughed harder at that if I didn't tell you that before the show. Yeah, also, I do like Skyrim, so... The, or, or you're allowed to be wrong. Katie tells me that all the time. Um, yeah, the you did show me one bit. Um, yeah, the I, best bit of the show when Kane shows up. Yeah, that is Kane from Command and Conquer. And he does a little bit for a second, but then he breaks character and just talks about the the remaster. Yeah. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta commit to the bit. If you're gonna do Kane, then you you gotta do Kane. Yeah, and that's the thing is, uh, they kind of half-assed everything. I think that's probably the problem of it. They have a virtual host uh, co-host for Day Nine now, which is uh, this weird robot that Day Nine is obviously you know really in the room with talking with, right? Mm-hmm. And definitely not on a green screen. Totally, or like some weird prop. Mm-hmm. With a, a face. Yeah, and there's definitely not a, uh, you know, there's definitely a conversation going on between the two, and he's not, you know, just say, saying they're trying to remember what line the robot said to him, right? Nope. Some guy with a cue card <laughs> standing off camera. Yeah. Which is disappointing because, you know, like I said, we both really enjoyed the PC gaming show pretty much every year to some degree, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, it certainly has had its cringy moments in the past or times where, <clears throat> excuse me, Tom Ridge drug on for too long. But overall, we've liked it. We like the interview style. We like how that, you know, it, it focuses a little more on stuff instead of being like, here's a trailer with 27 games flashing by on it. It's like, that's always the most interesting stuff in those presentations. Mm-hmm. And this is like a focus on those things. But yeah. Yeah, so. it, this just felt like uh, the worst moments of G4 times 10. Yeah, this is uh, Adam Sessler when he, uh, you know, no longer gave a shit and was obviously about to get fired. You know, that that level, right? Yeah, I never liked Adam Sessler. I always found him cringy is too weak of a word. Well, he grew mutton chops. That should tell you something. Well, I did too at one point. That should tell you something. I was a teenager when I had mutton chops. Does that give me any like leeway yeah, you're at all? You're stupid. You didn't know better. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know really anything about him about Adam Sessler's personal life, or you know, I I've never met the guy. That just there was always something about him. I'm like, I don't like you. You give me like this weird vibe. Is he like 
I don't know, like a sex pervert or something? Like, has he had any controversies for being like a racist asshole? I don't know. Uh, is, does he prescribe to your religion? No. <laughs> well, you're I the was, it took me a second to get it. And then I was like, is there a funny response I can have? And then I was like, I just need to be quiet for a moment longer to see if, if it can land. And then you remember, oh, wait, I'm going to be cutting out that pause anyway. Yeah. I'm, lo- I'm, go- I'm looking to see if he's got any controversial stuff. Oh, I'm he, sorry. I- he, he, he just always struck me as a guy who would be like an abusive ex, you know? Like, that's the personality. Like, you, it's like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, Adam, what's he like? Oh, he's, he's a real, you know, he's abusive. Like, that's the vibe I always got from him. And maybe I'm I'm a hundred percent wrong, and this is like character assassination, but that's just the vibes I always got from him. Mm, doesn't a, a very quick cursory search doesn't really seem to show up all that much. What if I type in accusate Adam Sessler accusations? <laughs> You're just digging now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, this went into a completely different place than I expected. Yep. I I need to, I should stop. I'm just holding us up. I'll look more into this later and see if I'm if I'm wrong or not. We'll see if you can get some dirt. Yeah, do a little digging. All right. Um. So our next news topic of the night. Uh, we even really talk about. We just went on a rabbit hole. Uh, I, there was one trailer I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, Evil Genius Two. Actually, yeah. good. Uh, for those who never played it, Evil Genius was. Uh, essentially evil mastermind uh, James Bond-esque uh, uh, universe where you build your lair and then steal things and create death traps. Well, they're adding Z levels to it. So then the, finally the next incarnation of the game has uh, where you can build a proper base in your entire mountain instead of just oh, one little layer and that's it, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw this on Steam and a Discovery queue and yeah, talked about yeah. it. Okay, but, but they showed the trailer at uh, at one point. But let's just put it this way: the PC gaming show was so cringeworthy. I just uh, there was one commenter that thankfully uh, gave timestamps of all the different trailers and interviews, and I just clicked through a few of them. There was just not a lot there that looked really interesting to me. It could just be the fact that I was watching it piecemeal instead of you know sitting and watching the entire two hour ordeal, but. I couldn't. No, no. I'd rather watch an EA press conference. That's saying something because EA press conferences suck. The, this uh, the PC gaming show has what a almost a fifty fifty uh, thumbs up thumbs down rating, which says a lot for YouTube, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, no thanks. Right. So now our next news topic. Yeah, sure. The PlayStation Five makes its appearance known. <laughs> oh, the PlayStation 5. What people in 2003 thought uh, consoles would look like in 2020. Yeah, I don't believe for a second that that's actually what it's going to look like when it's done. I mean, maybe it will. Who knows? Maybe it will look like a weird Wi-Fi router, but I just feel like that's like the sexy production model mm-hmm. and maybe like a special edition like you can buy. But if that's the real thing, I don't know who they're making this thing for. Like that wouldn't fit in my entertainment center if I wanted. I mean, it's too I, tall. Well, yeah, well, there's one of the uh, uh, links shows you just how fucking big this thing is. As a hefty chunk of a console. <laughs> yeah, it's a big chunker, and at least 
the the Xbox is a big rectangle. Like, does it look pretty? No, but it's functional, and you could fit it into places because it's just a big rectangle. But, you know, the PS5, this does look nice, but it's not going to fit into anybody's entertainment center anywhere. And even if you don't have an entertainment center, you've got, like, just a table, or if you've got your TV mounted on a wall, where are you supposed to put this? In the floor? I don't know. Huh? Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, I've seen you, Gail. Well, um, I- I'm going to send you something. I'm going to also add it to the show notes. This may be uh, our post on Twitter for this episode. Okay. There you go. Enjoy. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, that's um, yeah. uh, it's, uh, Seto, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the bad guys, as far as I can recall. He's like the in the, the, like the first season. He's like yeah. the primary antagonist. Yeah, it's kind of like this show's version of Vegeta. He's a bad guy, but then he becomes like an anti-hero in later seasons of the show. Yeah, and he always has this white uh, uh, overcoat uh, with a big pointy uh, collar. And somebody put his head on the PlayStation 5. Yeah, but, um, you know, I looked over at the performance specs. They're basically meaningless. It follows the same sort of logic of like, we have X number of teraflops and so many floating point operations that we can do. And it's like, yeah, but none of that really translates to all that much. And it's not like measurable in a real world gaming sense. So, you know, that stuff is kind of bullshit. I mean, it, it from watching longer videos on, especially like tech YouTuber channels that talk about it and what it compares, like, it seems like it'll be like decent from you know, a console standard, like reaching like the PC performance of um, something from a couple of years ago, you know, like 2017 to 2018 PC Uh performance. The biggest thing that there's a big dispute about is it's um, special SSD, like it's proprietary SSD technology. Uh And there's a lot of debate about how fast it actually is going to be able to access its storage. But I mean, if, you know, on the lower end of things, it'll be more like a, I'm doing air quotes, like a traditional SSD, which would be like a SATA 3 SSD, which is still pretty fast, but nowhere near as fast as like what Sony is like saying it's going to be. And then on sort of the more, uh, I'll say generous end of things, it looks like it's going to be about as fast as like a Gen 4 PCI SSD. Um so it will be extremely fast, but nothing like you know. Game. No, 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 it's not going to be. Uh, huh? Sony, uh, Sony has this uh, new technology. It's a temporal predictive uh, drive where it knows what data you need before you need it. So they <laughs> load it, and loading times non-existent, absolutely zero, no loading yeah. whatsoever. So, I mean, it it will be an improvement. At worst, it'll be like having an SSD in your, your PC. Uh, welcome to 2011, Sony. Uh, and at best, it'll be like modern uh, M.2 SSD technology, which is fast for sure. But as you, you can watch tons of videos on online where people compare these types of things to real-world performance scenarios. And for the most part, once you get past a certain point humans just can't really perceive that much of a difference in it like kind of like um you know with with frame rate like once you get past like 
90 to 120 FPS, a lot of people struggle to really be able to tell any meaningful difference between the two of those. And then I'll up past um, around like 250, equivalent of 250 FPS, because there's been like research done on this for like fighter pilots and training programs and stuff. Human perception just can't keep up at that speed. So I'm not like, obviously I'm not saying frame rate doesn't matter. Frame rate fucking matters, but there is an actual biological limit to it. And so the same thing applies to it, to loading times and our perception of how long we have to wait for something. And you start getting diminishing returns from, for a gaming perspective, certainly for certain productivity applications, having much faster data access makes a huge difference. But in, in the gaming space, once you get past sort of, good SATA three speeds like you know 500 megabytes a second sequential reads and writes and things like that like there start to be a lot of diminishing returns so the whole sony ssd thing doesn't seem to be like as much of a game changer as they want you to think it is otherwise it's a, a big console that doesn't make any sense to me i'm just i'm not a console gamer <laughs> well well, look at it this way. We now have a choice between the Wi-Fi router and the cheese grater of Doom. <laughs> Indeed. The only console that makes any sense to me is a portable one at this point. So the Switch, the 3DS, or one of their sort of, you know, cousin things, um, like the, the 2DS or the Switch Lite. Like, so it, you know, that offers something that you can't get anywhere I, else. I mean, assuming this one piece of, or this one uh, picture is accurate on... Uh, the Chonker article. This console is bigger than the PS3 fat version, which people uh, called a George Foreman grill and said it was way too big. Yeah, that, that thing was a chonker. It uh, looks like it's slightly taller than that. I mean, damn, right? Yeah. Um. Then, you know, and then if you say, well, what about games? Like someone out there like who wants to, I don't know, have a fight with me on the internet. Like, what about games? Well, uh, aside from Nintendo, all of the Xbox games are coming to PC, and uh, over half or half of Sony's library is announced to be coming to PC, like including stuff on the PS5. They might maintain a few proprietary um, first-party titles, but I mean, I think everyone at this point of the game has recognized like PC is here to stay. And we can make a lot more money selling our software on PC than than if we just keep it in our own little environments and maybe keep like one or two titles or, you know, a small handful to try and sell the box to people who wouldn't otherwise buy it. <clears throat> and then just put everything else out there in the open so that we can make more money. Like that seems to be the way it's going. Yeah, there's one other interesting thing on this. Uh, then you go take care of your dog. Yeah, I'm... I'm just so uh, can hear her. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fact that we're seeing... Uh, is this the first console we're seeing with a digital-only version at launch? Mm, yes and no. The Xbox has also got a digital-only version that they've announced. Okay, I, I hadn't kept up with the Xbox. That's why I was asking. Uh, but it looks like absolutely no difference uh, on the height. There's a... It's slightly slimmer, uh, at least uh, from the uh, the one picture that they show of it. I imagine mm-hmm. it'll also be slightly uh, uh, cheaper. So it's just 
it's interesting seeing uh, Sony starting to push towards digital only as well. Xbox had uh, already done that on the current generation, but I wasn't sure if they out- did a digital only as well, because like I said, I hadn't kept up with it. But Yeah, Xbox in this generation has made a huge digital push, and then they announced, I think it was last month or maybe two months ago, um, you know, it kind of got buried in all the other news, but they published some information about the what's the new one called the xbox series x. xbox series x uh, the stupid name stupid dumb name the the fridge box uh they, they put oh, out cheese grater yeah uh, yeah the cheese grater they put out some info on the cheese grater and it has two versions at launch and one of the versions does not have any optical drive yeah so all right i'm gonna go take my dog out um, and we'll see how how well this goes. I'll be probably 10 minutes taking her out. The question is, how well is she going to behave when we come back inside? Definitely not. Yeah, so I'll be back. All right. Um, moving on. Edit magic stuff. Uh, the FDA approves a game marketed as treatment for ADHD. Um, it, for, someone, for anyone listening who's a non-American, FDA's Food and Drug Administration in the United States. Um, and this is the first video game that has received an actual approval for treatment of any type of mental or medical condition. Um, personally, I've prescribed lots of games for, for, to help people with various things. In general, gaming is great for anxiety and depression. And I encourage people to game all the time uh, to deal with those things. But, um, you know, this is, this is interesting. It's kind of just a quick cursory glance at the article is a little bit vague. Um, there's a link to the research study that you can go if you want to read through the whole thing. Um, I gave it a quick skim before we started. Essentially, this is gamifying a type of treatment that that we use to help children specifically. You can do it with adults too, but children specifically learn to um, engage and increase their attention span. There are different types of ADHD um, you know, the one that you think of most predominantly uh, is someone who, you know, can't sit still, um, can't pay attention to anything. And there's other types that have more sort of predominant aspects to them. Um, and one of the hardest things that it, that there is to do with kids is to get them to sit down and work with you, even in sort of an ideal environment. You know, no matter how old you are to an eight-year-old, you're an old fucking man that they don't care about. And so getting them to sit down and go through these exercises with you that are designed to strengthen areas of their brain that will increase their focus and their attention and to be able to work with them and ensure that they practice on a regular enough basis that they see results is uh, a nightmare at best. Um, And that's nothing against the kids. That's nothing against the parents. Oftentimes, the parents that care enough to get their kids into this type of treatment will do everything they can to get them to show up. But life happens. Kid gets sick. I get sick. Some kind of scheduling conflict. Last minute meeting. Or for them, like a school thing. Or a global pandemic that makes it impossible to get in-person treatment for months. Like, things happen. And so the idea... That would never happen. Right. Chinese hoax. Um... But, you know, the, the idea that, that this is a game that kids can access on their uh, tablet or other mobile device, like 
I didn't see specifically if it said what devices it was for, but I would assume that it's designed to be for a tablet or, or mobile device, like a you know smartphone or whatever, because you know those are pretty ubiquitous at this point. Um, and you the the game is designed to, like I said, mimic the exercises that we would do to strengthen those areas of the brain. It's designed to be played for twenty to thirty minutes at a time, five times a week which mimics a in-office treatment schedule where you would work with a specialist um, to do those sorts of things. It's a very good idea. I want to dig through the, the research article some more. I'd like to see some, some uh, additional studies done on this, but um, you know, gaming can do a lot more than just, you know, kill time and be enjoyable. We've talked, what was it? Two, two episodes ago about education and gaming and how even just general gaming can, you can learn a lot from it about things like history or subjects that you're interested in. Gaming is used to, you know, the, the concept of gamification to make uh, workplace tasks or other activities like weight loss or whatever, you know, a little more fun and engaging is shown or has had a huge growth in the last decade. I'll say, um, you know, roughly, and I mean, this is the next step, learning how to harness the power of gaming to engage with population groups that have been difficult or perhaps impossible to engage with before and get them additional help at, at you know, in, in ways that we never thought possible two decades ago. Like, this is great. I'm all for it. You know, like I said, I'd like to see some additional research done, see if there are ways to improve it, optimize it, or develop additional techniques. Um, you know, I could the original study was what five years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I would like to see, I would love to see some type of cognitive behavioral therapy put into game form, yeah, just like a a quick and dirty, you know, what is cognitive behavioral therapy? It's the most empirically tested and proven type of therapy in existence, um, or at least that we have so far, um. And the reason is, is that it's designed using simple repetition of changing the way that your thoughts and, and behaviors are, hence cognitive behavioral therapy. But the thing about it is that you have to attend sessions two or three times a week and practice these things daily. And again, in an ideal environment with the perfect client, that's great. But, you know, I've got 300 people on my caseload. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm doing all I can to meet with these people once a month. So that just doesn't work for cognitive behavioral therapy unless you have someone who's very dedicated to the process. But if I could give someone like, Hey, here's this game. You know, these are the exercises that we've talked about. You can engage with them in this process. And then we, you know, come back to therapy and we can, you know, see where you're at and what's going on and what's your experience been. Like, I would love that. That would make my job both easier and more effective at the same time. And it would allow me to focus on other areas that are much better served by a human connection. So I'm all for this sort of thing. That's, that's my, that's, this has been my Ted talk. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I do. You would uh, absolutely love this uh, article. That's why I put it in the show notes. Yeah. Good pull on this one. Thank you. Um, let's see. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's the research paper for you to dive into later, huh? Yeah. Which I will. I might, I'll probably, <clears throat> lay in bed tonight actually because as soon as we're done i'm gonna go lay down with the dog um give her some some company some pets 
and uh, I'll read through this while we're laying in bed. Oh, ma. <laughs> Just some light reading, you know, a research article at like, I don't know, one in the morning. That's how I spend my nights. But well, uh, yes. Yeah, clearer than I thought they would be. Indeed. <laughs> well, you know, I'll masturbate first and then. Oh, know. I thought you'd be masturbating to the article. Well, I mean, maybe if they oh, put like yeah. a put like a pair of tits and a dick on it, like I'd be down for that. But oh, there's a nice flow chart. There you go. Flow charts. It is a sexy flow chart. I love being a good flow chart. But anyways, our final news topic of the night is um, the Steam Games Festival launched today or yesterday, I guess, because uh, it's now. Well, now, yeah. Well, technically today, ish. Uh, we're one minute off it being today. Give us, uh, give, cut me some slack. <laughs> Timey wimey. Um, but All yeah, so it, we're we're gonna talk about this more in depth next week once we've had time to engage with it and look at some of the demos and stuff that they've done. But it ends next Tuesday, so we're gonna mention it here and maybe talk about it a minute and say, "Hey, go check it out." That way, you can you know go alongside us for some of this stuff, but. Yeah, and they have a rather exhaustive schedule of different uh, developers uh, talking about their stuff, doing Let's Plays, uh, interviews, uh, Q&As. I mean, this is actually very impressive. Yeah, this is like a super-duper charged version of the, what was it, Jeff Keighley's thing? Yeah. From a a few, couple of months ago, or whenever it was. Well, this this is also from him. Yeah, yeah, but this is like a supercharged version. I guess that you could say the other one was like a test run. Yeah, this is version this two is point out, two. Electric yeah. Boogaloo. But I'm I'm looking but forward to checking this out. Hundred demos, so I'm sure we could find something. Yeah, there's about to be something in there. I my favorite thing is the, like a, one of their little tabs or whatever. Um, like it, so it's the Steam Game Festival, and it's on the homepage. You click on it, and then it takes you to a separate, almost like uh, or pretty much identically to how the sale pages work. Um, and it's got featured demos and recommended demos for you based on like the algorithms and stuff. Um, but if you scroll down a little bit, there's one that's demos for your wish list, and it's games that are on your wish list that have demos. Um, well, and those are cool. highlighted. I'm actually on the full schedule, just going through. There's a reminder via email, via uh, mobile app, as in the Steam app uh, notifications, or can I add to your Apple, Google, or Outlook calendars? Nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, games I just don't recognize because, you know, it's you know, uh, upcoming stuff and just uh, some niche stuff as well. But uh, chat with devs behind tactical RPG. Um, a lot of chat with devs, Discord Q&As. I mean, just really impressive. I mean, this is like a convention uh, times 10, right? Yeah. I'm I'm all about this. I want to see more of these in the future. I'm going to try and check out some of the events. I'm I'm hoping I don't know if I'll be able to make any of them live. Um probably this weekend if there's one or two that strike my fancy. But anyways, I'm I'm more interested in the events than I am the demos, like the dev Q&As and any kind of highlight stuff that they do. It, at least to check it out. I mean, it, you know, it might turn out to either be garbage or just something that I'm not interested in. But you know, we I, we well, haven't seen stuff like this on this scale, so. Well, they are definitely not pulling any punches on the schedule. I mean, they're not censoring this at all. There's 
a a couple flat out sex games uh, on the schedule to, uh, with Q and A's. Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna tune into those. But I mean, and this stuff is going around the clock. Um, and I'm just you know, time zones exist, so maybe they're you know because this would be I guess maybe American centric or North American centric. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're doing devs from like Europe or. Asia or something in sort of what would be like the off hours for us, but peak hours for them. I don't know. I don't know a lot of these devs, but definitely interested. Oh, and there's events too. Okay. So, uh, frag the dev event. Uh, what is this for master arena? Looks like devs are playing and you can go play against them Mm -hmm. in a multiplayer shooter. That stuff is neat. Yeah. I'm just kind of scrolling through. I mean, it is a long list. Yeah. So looking forward to this. Um, is there a way to search? Oh, yep, right here. Game uh, yeah, search. Yeah, and as you type in, it uh, starts to fill out. So, and yeah. it looks like this isn't. Uh, ju- this is a Steam Labs thing as well. Oh, it is. You're right. So this isn't limited to the uh, event. This is something new that they're doing. Uh, oh, the news hub. Yeah. I just thought that that was for the event, but no. Cool. Well, I looked at the top. It said Steam Labs. Oh, so. Here's something. Booty Calls. Welcome to the new dimension. I mean, that's just like straight up sex. It's hentai tentacle porn. Ooh, MacMurk Company is up. I got to. Okay, I got to stop. Got to (laughs) stop. I'll look at all this stuff later. Maybe, you know, be good stuff to talk about next week. But regardless of how this turns out, it's a good idea. And as long as it's not like a steaming hot pile of poorly implemented garbage, it'll be a good starting point to build on something good for the future. Because I want I want to see trends like this continue. Yeah, it's a nice uh, just uh, trying to make the best out of things. And I think creating something uh, truly unique because, yep, the demo kind of died off. But now here we are, right? Yeah. Back in the game, baby. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just amazed at just how packed the schedule is too. The thing is, as you scroll through, it also shows you all the different games, uh, what's going on. Let's just discuss the experiment thing. Oh, wait. Okay. It goes to the steam labs, like the yeah. community hub. Yeah. I like this. All right. Um, that wraps it up for our news topics for the night. If you don't have anything else to add about, uh, no, I do not. Then yeah, we will, uh, I guess check out some demos for next, next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, events where possible and go from there. But check it out. Um, all right. So next up. Well, the mailbag uh, was empty once again. That's uh, the usual emails or usual newsletters and uh, spam and Japanese, Chinese. I can't, I'm not sure what one that is. But yeah. Nice. Um, and then I didn't see anything on Discord, although... I mean, some of that stuff sometimes goes by, and I miss it. So, but did we have anything from Discord? Not that I saw. Okay. Or not nothing that's uh, show related. Q put up a couple of things, but eh. right. Well, then that brings us to our discovery queue, which the dog seems content. She's eating on her chewy over here, and I've got the bag if she finishes that one. So, I think I'm good to run through a quick queue. So, hit the music. Indeed. So, I got one immediately, but I also had my queue loaded. 
right? Uh, Journey. We were talking about Sony, uh, half the stuff they uh, bring to PC. Well, this is a couple console generations late, but yeah, I mean, Journey was pretty widely praised whenever it came out. It does seem like they have a severe musical problem with the game, at least on some systems. So definitely try it out if you get it. It is pretty cheap, though, so it's worth looking into. This is also one of those games that was talked about ad nauseum. So you definitely know if this is your game or not already without really having to do a lot of research into it. Yeah. Journey, not my game, but I recognize the uh, that it is a good game. Alright, um, I got one on my second pull. Uh, Disintegration. It's uh, one of those interesting mix of uh, well, build is one of those games. It's an interesting mix between first-person shooter and real-time strategy, with the ability to like pull out and then go back down onto like one specific unit and play. Looks a lot um, like Titanfall, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, which I liked Titanfall. So, but this says it's got a single-player campaign, um, and then it does have uh, multiplayer. So it definitely looks interesting to me. Um, I'm all for it if they pull it off well. And, uh, you know, if they don't, well, I guess I, you know. Uh, oh, hey, it's out now. I was going to say that's why we don't pre-order things. But it looks like it's it went uh, up two days ago or on Monday, yesterday. Time is weird. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm going to follow this and just see, like, how it's doing, what its reviews are, if it's a steaming pile of garbage. But I, I like these types of games where you can you know, do the the shooty bits and then also the strategy bits. Okay, well, I got Beyond Blue, which, that'd be Violet, right? Also, da-ba-dee-da-ba-tie. Or Ultraviolet, depending on how far Beyond Blue you want to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beyond Blue builds itself as a single-player narrative adventure that takes you deep into our planet's uh, beating blue heart. So, it is a diving game, uh, it looks like it is pretty story heavy, at least according to some of the reviews. There are some people that are saying, I just wanted to go diving around and have fun. I didn't want to deal with the story. But it's essentially you know, a more grounded in re- or uh, near future sci-fi, I guess, compared to... Uh, oh, damn it. Uh, survival uh, diving game. I'm blanking on the title now. Depth? Depth. Oh, no, no, not depth. Um... Depth is the one with the sharks. Um, yeah. Oh. Subnautica. Yeah, Subnautica. There we go. I, I, I blanked on the name for a moment. Uh, so essentially a more light sci-fi without as much survival elements as Subnautica. Mm-hmm. With a bit more emphasis on story, but not sure how how good it is. But 20 bucks. I mean, it's not quite an impulse buy, but it looks like it's also more about cataloging sea life as well. So there you go, right? It does right. look very pretty, though, doesn't it, for an indie game? It does. It does. Um, I got one. Uh, King Sim. Um, this looks like sort of an 8-bit version of Reigns, um, where you make de- decisions to try and essentially not get killed. Um, you keep your factions and your resources balanced. Um, looks like this one has got like some mini-games and a few other things that you can do. So it goes a little bit farther than simply making, for the most part, uh, A, B, you know, decisions. Um, but it, it looks interesting. I, I'm, I 
I don't really like the art style or maybe the color balance all that much. I get that they're going for a particular style, so I'm not going to fault it for that. But it doesn't really appeal to me. So, but, you know, if the gameplay is good and if the story is good, then, you know, I could I could get past that. It's not that expensive either, only 10 bucks, And this game released a couple of weeks ago, it looks like. So, King said. I got Shapes I.O. Which, you know, I.O. games, there you go, right? Yep. It is essentially a knockoff Factorio. Oh, interesting. A, a game about building factories to automate the creation and uh, a combination of increasingly complex shapes within an infinite map. I've seen that somewhere. I wonder if it's in the Itch.io bundle. I'm not sure. Itch.io bundle. But, you know, essentially a low-rent Factorio for four bucks without a sale. Yeah. And if the gameplay loop is good, I mean, that's a lot gameplay of gameplay. It's is, uh, you know, decent, right? Yeah. It does look like it's, you know, you're not running around like Factorio. You're able to just place that down like a uh, strategy game. Yeah. But it does look like very Factorio, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So there um, you go, right? Yeah, I got maybe one of the most blasphemous porn games ever. I'm not going to put it up. It's called Holy Sisters. Oh, boy. Uh, it's nuns. Big, big-breasted big nuns in porn. Which, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say I'm not into it, but we kind of follow a strict no-posting uh, links to porn stuff on, yeah. in the show notes. So I'll skip over that one. Um, to Light... It's called the Light Remake. It'd probably help if I uh, give you a link. Actually, I don't normally. This is a survival. Well, it says it's a survival horror game. Um, I don't normally go for this type of game because I don't like scary things. But it looks like there's a lot of it that's in the daylight, and that's something that horror games don't do very well. Like it's easy to scare someone in the dark. It's hard to scare someone when it's bright and shining and you're outdoors and maybe you know it's, it looks like there's this building that you're going into and exploring and i'm sure that's got some dank and some darkness to it but um there's a lot of it that's out in nature in the daylight as well from these screenshots so you know a, a survival or well it's a survival horror i'm i'm gonna go with a horror just a horror game um then that does a lot of daylight stuff it looks like it's set in russia um, potentially something connected to Chernobyl. I mean, that's not explicitly said from what I see here, but it looks like it's got some puzzles to solve. And at the very least, the imagery evokes feelings of Chernobyl and kind of that area around Chernobyl that basically, you know, that overnight became a ghost town. Um, so, I don't know. Looks kind of intriguing to me. It's only five bucks as well. Yeah, it says remake, so it uh, makes me wonder about the uh, uh, original, you know? Yeah, which I've never heard of, but, you know, obviously that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yeah. So, I got Sword Art Online Alizician uh, Lacrosse. So, like Sword Art Online game. I mean, if you're into the anime, there you go, right? I mean, you don't need to know anything more. Uh, it's a full price to AAA game, though. Damn, right? Yeah. With a digital deluxe edition, that's a hundred and five dollars. That's I mean, expensive, that, right? That yeah, that's expensive. And they don't really highlight what's in it. The the Sword Art Online games are compu- are confusing as hell. 
as which one is where and what's in it. Mm -hmm. I don't own any of them, and I want to own them, but that's one of the reasons I haven't bought any, even on sale, because it's like, I don't know which one to go for first, and I'm sure if I spent a little bit of time, like, researching it, I could figure it out, but I did just always like, nah, nah, it's too much effort, so... Um, I got an interesting thing. Tabletop Playground, which looks like a possible competitor for Tabletop Simulator. I mean, it looks like the same basic idea. Um, you know, board games, tools for people to create the board games. Uh, looks like a proper way to maybe paint something. Yeah, you can import stuff to Tabletop Simulator, but creating stuff in Tabletop Sim is a nightmare. Because I've tried to make some things for like RPG nights and stuff. And it just, you can do it, but I, I don't want to, it's more effort than it's worth. So definitely interested in it. I mean, it's 15 bucks. It looks like it's up on sale or for sale right now. Um, and it just released. I don't know if it's made by the same developers or not. It would be weird if it was, cause I feel like that would cannibalize their own market. Uh, it's made by the same group that does, that did Beeple station Beeple station. Yeah. Which I have a copy of it. I think I got that on review ages ago that it just was so early in its development that I couldn't do much for. I should go back and try that sometime. Uh, very mixed reviews on that. Whew. So I got Evan's Remains, a puzzle platformer. Years after a boy genius named Evan disappears, a bizarre letter arrives. Evan wants a girl named Dillis to come find him. As Dillis, you'll need to solve an increment series of puzzles to unravel the entire mystery and bring Evan home. So, puzzle platformer with a bit of a story behind it, at least. Possibly a lot more than just a bit of a story. Very uh, nice puzzle art with some really uh, uh, well-done animations on that. Uh, looks like the developer has a few things, uh, but nothing I've played. So, definitely not their first radio. Yeah. Um, okay. I got an interesting thing. Dark Knights with Poe and Monroe. This is an interactive FMV game, which I have greatly enjoyed the resurgence in these types of games. The most recent one that I played was called She Sees Red. I played that, I think, eight, nine months ago. Um, but uh, this is, it says, guide local radio hosts Poe and Monroe through six TV-like episodes of supernatural strangeness and sizzling on-screen chemistry. And then it's got like a, it looks like a map and some things that you can do. A little bit of interactivity, kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure type of thing. I'm all for that. I love these things. Um, and I, I think we're seeing a good resurgence of these with how easy it is to access high-quality recording equipment nowadays. But And also just compression. Because back in the day... There wasn't really a way to be able to do all the FMV at a decent resolution and not have it take up, you know, all the disc, right? Yeah. But with so. proper, uh, you know, proper depression, proper, uh, uh, proper uh, technique, you're not going to have it where, you know, a FMV game is going to be, you know, 50 gigs. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, yeah, one would hope. Um... Yeah. So I got Exit the Dungeon. Exit the Dungeon is a small spin off dungeon uh, climber immediately following the adventures 
are the Misfit Gun uh, Gungeoneers. So not really a sequel, but a spinoff game. So right. uh, that's uh, to uh, you know, drive home the point. It's not a sequel to uh, uh, Enter the Gungeon. Uh, it's in the same universe. So a lot of reused enemies. And it's a dungeon climber, so a platformer, maybe? Uh, a platformer slash a twin-stick shooter, maybe? Was this a mobile game? I, I think it's also out on mobile. Okay. It sounds, like, familiar, but I don't remember where I've seen or heard about it. Maybe I'd, maybe if it's a mobile game, I saw it, like, scroll across, like, the Play Store ad page or something. Like, check out this new games. Maybe. Riley, get out from under my desk, dog. And stop sniffing there. Or at least uh, while I'm recording. Huh. You got another one? No, I my last two in my queue, one of them was another porn game. And then this is like a, a not interesting first-person platforming game. Well, well, I mean, first-person platforming is tough on the best of days. So, Gordian Quest. An epic roguelike uh, light uh, that combines the best elements of deck building, tactical combat, and strategic decision making with a rather impressive world map as well. <laughs> I mean, uh, that is a very impressive uh, com- a combination of genres. Uh, a little the spire. Uh, I'm just taking a quick look. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, only one act is complete uh, there with six playable heroes. Full game will have 10 to 16 more with access to over 500 passive and active skill cards. Full game will have thousands more. So they have a long way to go, most likely. 20 bucks getting in on the ground floor. I mean, it is very impressive looking already, though. Yeah, I would have to agree. It is. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, hang on, I just want to look at the developer real quick. Uh, uh, it's definitely not their first game. Um, uh, they made a VR-only title before, but it is complete, so gotta give them that, them that much, right? Indeed. And my last one was uh, Disintegration, so uh, repeat on yours. Cool. Well, then with that wrap-up of our Discovery queue, hey, Rage, why don't you hit him with them socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, GamerCR. You can find me on Steam, Caffeine Rage there as well. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Game Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707, where I have developed quite the habit for shitposting. Um... A lot of, lot of tweets going up. I had a couple directed at Microsoft earlier after they were like, we're giving donating $250,000 or however much it uh, was. Uh, did somebody watch the Jamquisition this week? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I, they were like, say it loud, say it proud. And I'm like, all right. And then like in all caps, like something. What did I say? All right, here we go. Let me head over to Twitter. Twitter, 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 Twitter. This was the last thing that I tweeted, so it should be easy for me to find. You would think that. You would think. Uh, Sure, I'll say it loud and then in all caps. As a multi-billion dollar company, Microsoft should donate more than this mere pocket change to to organizations. Also put more people of color on your board and in other important roles. So, but I also... Are you proud of that? Do what? Now, are you proud of saying that? I'm proud of saying that. I also have been uh, retweeting God on Twitter. 
quite a bit here recently. And oh, on guard, that's good. I did. I did. Uh, I retweeted something uh, that's like a joke about Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but it's like BattleTech. It's like them. I'm Hufflepuff. What house are you? That's like me. Uh, Steiner, because that's a BattleTech. One of the great <laughs> houses in BattleTech. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of shit posts on Twitter. Anyways, uh, what, what, where to, Twitter. Steam! Aha! If you want to be a friend on Steam, you can send a friend request to JR34707. There we go. I did it. First, let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from. The password for this week is Whimper. Whimper. And honor your dog, who you're going to have a fun time trying to edit that out. Oh, what am I kidding? You're not going to edit that out at all. You're right. I'm not. Honestly, when I do my like uh, pass to look for background noise and stuff, it might get it automatically, depending on how loud it was. Well, it was quite loud at times. Okay. Well, it'll be all right. Which brings me back to the top of the show notes. Once again, you could contact us, vglpodcast at gbound.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast, on, well, the Twitter. Yeah, you know, uh, that, that thing that Jared and Trump shitpost on. Only one makes the news, and the other one, uh, yeah, just we roll those eyes. At, we roll our eyes at them. Oh wait a minute, we roll our eyes at both. Indeed. Anyway, our lovely, lovely patrons, uh, we thank you. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/vglpodcast, which also supports our Podbean, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, well, the show itself as well, of course. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly doo by the same artist. You can find his work over at acomputech.com, and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.